What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Applicable Dad Parenting and Beyond, the show that focuses on navigating the life of parents, coaches, and mentors. I am your host, John. I'm with my co-host, Cody, and we have a really special treat today. We actually have our first guest, episode four, and already doing a guest. So excited. So excited. And we'll get into those formal introductions, but today's focus is a little bit different than what we had originally talked about in episode three. We shifted it. We found and heard some feedback from you all, and we wanted to come out and say, we're listening. So this focus is about coaching and parenting athletes. Sometimes you're doing both. Sometimes they run over each other, but we want to talk about both of them, coaching athletes as well as parenting athletes. And so again, thank you so much for joining. And we are going to, you know, we want to say from from coaching Little League, from being in Little League to the hopes of playing in the big leagues. There are many ways and opportunities to develop kids on and off the field, as well as our, our guests, you know, to provide insight into the world of sports. And that's why we wanted to bring Richard Stickney in with his experience to help us talk about coaching and parenting. Welcome, Richard. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thanks yeah. for being here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, it's exciting. How do you feel being our first uh, first guest? I would say I'm nervous, but I'm not. So Don't, don't be nervous. Not my first time talking to people. Yeah, that's good. Good. Good communicator. And so we're happy to have you. So I'm going to run down just a little bit of why we brought Richard on. Richard has 10 years of experience as youth, as a youth baseball coach. Now, I mentioned before that I do youth baseball coach. Richard did a much, much higher level of coaching than I did in the Little Leagues. So Richard did the majors, which anybody that is familiar with it, you go A, double A, you know, triple A and majors. So you're in the best of the best of the realm. So he had 10 years of experience with that. He had six of those players that went Division One, pretty big accolade. So you developed them on the field, you developed them off the field, you helped them beyond the field, which yeah. is amazing. Um, he had six years of high school football as an offensive line coach in Bixby, which Cody's alma mater. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, Bixby proud. He also umpires high school as well as some college, and he umpires youth on the weekends. I've seen him in action. He's effective, he's fun, he helps, and uh, he builds up the kids throughout the process. And so what a perfect kind of add to what we're trying to accomplish here, right, Cody? I've heard, I've heard a lot of high praise on you, uh, on your umpiring, uh, being able to control a game, control parents, control players, coaches, and the like on the field, because I know that gets difficult in some situations. And that's why <clears throat> a lot of the times when I start out on youth, they'll stick me with some of the new guys, young guys, trying to get them started so... When you're doing all that and you're starting down on six and seven, eight-year-olds, they nickname me the cooler down there because you're dealing with still a lot of young dads yeah, yeah. that still have that fire that they're still playing. Sure. And they're bringing it as if they're still at the college or whatever their last bit of playing. Uh -huh. So they bring that extra intensity to the game where I kind of... Through their child. Through the child. Yeah. Or sometimes they skip right over the child and come straight to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think they call that living vicariously through your child. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, is actually one of our uh, uh, addendums to one of our topics is uh, don't live vicariously through your kid. Your time is up. You've mm -hmm. done. You've done your time. So um, and we'll tap into that. That's a that's a great kind of already a value add for us to to bring that up. But we thought what a great focus. Let's bring in a gentleman that is an applicable dad 
who has helped youth, who is helping to mentor, has developed a number of kids, and let's have this conversation. So really excited about this. This is one of those situations. Are you raising your hand right now? Mm-hmm. It's my cue. <laughs> Cody wants to say something. Well, just to add to uh, to Richard's accolades, of, uh, he's, he is also a youth PA announcer, uh, which he's done for 13 years. Uh, so to, to have that kind of uh, plug into uh, many different coaches and many different teams yes. that you're watching, parents that you're going to be associated with in that realm, uh, you're going to bring a lot of points to, to our topics that we're going to go over today. Don't you raise your hand at me ever again. Shame. Shame. <laughs> Use those hands Shame. for helping your wife, all right? It's like we <laughs> talked about in the last episode. You don't raise those hands in here, okay? It's open dialogue. You just jump right in. So we want to jump into the first topic. As, as you guys have experienced with us, we break these conversations down into two topics. And we try to keep it a formality involved in this because we want it to be valuable to you and we want it to stay focused on the subject matter at hand as opposed to jumping around and you know we try to keep it within that realm of topics so today we're going to do that same thing we're going to jump in and we split this up because coaching and parenting athletes has two different roles to it and Mm -hmm. one being coaching athletes you know the other being parenting athletes and then at the end we'll kind of talk about how those blend together or even throughout Let's just discuss how they can blend together. So first topic, parents' role. So what would you guys say is the parents' role within raising an effective, honest, character-based athlete? Team-wise or individual, meaning tennis, golf, you know, because there's two different ways, whether it be the team side or an individual sport. Yeah, any type of athlete, you know. Because on the team side, they've got to be supportive of whoever they're going to go play for. Okay. They Let's start be, them before that. Before okay. they get on the field, how do you as a parent raise that child to be an effective sportsman as well as an athlete? Well, it comes comes from the home. You know, they're going to transfer everything they learn in the home uh, to the field, to those coaches, uh, their peers, their, mm-hmm. their athletic peers, uh, about knowing how to respect, sure, how to give full effort, how to be a team player or to, to encourage others around them instead of focusing on themselves. So as long as they can learn all that within the home, uh, they can transfer that to the field as well. In my, my belief. Okay. That's great. What about you? Well, a lot of that and doesn't really have to do with sports. It meaning when you're teaching all that, it could be with in the classroom, any of, any of those stuff where you're being, sometimes you want to put your kid in a situation they're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so you got to put them out there. And when they do that, then you can see without even getting them on the field, how they interact, how they do in the play, how they do at a track meet, little bitty track meet that you have mm-hmm. at kindergarten or whatever. How do they interact at uh, their daycare? You can see a lot of that stuff like you talked about coming from your home to there before you even get into sports on how they're built. Because as you guys know, not everybody's coached the same way. Mm -hmm. Can't be, can't coach them. Can't parent one kid and parent the other one the same way because they're two totally different kids. Mm -hmm. And that's what you learn a lot before you even get them on the field. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great point. Even at home, you know, and I'm, looking outside our window here, you know, as you're raising your own kids, boy or girl, um, you, you play catch with them. You see their abilities, you know, and then you start that coaching process from there. 
how are you going to develop them? Well, you got to put your hands up a little bit more, or you got to run differently, run on, run on your toes, you know, things like that. But then also you get to start seeing an understanding of how they process. Oh, I dropped that ball. Well, are they hard on themselves? Are they really upset? Are they angry? Did they quit the game? Yeah. The way you perpetuate that to the child is, is key to, um, you don't want to make them feel as if they don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. They've already got a bad taste in their mouth and in a sense of the words on that sport or whatever you're doing with them. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of <clears throat> uh instance with my daughter. She, so I coached her when she was six years old in soccer, you know, youth soccer, uh, kids just out there having a good time. I was one of those parents at that point in time in my life, which is a long time ago. She's 17 now. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy birthday. So at that point in, in my life, I, I didn't have a good grasp of all this. So uh, she wasn't the most physical, most aggressive player on the field. And I, and I was trying to think of a way to uh, help her with that. And, you know, after talking to her many, many times over many games, I decided to, to just lay into her one day, you know, at, at the house and not lay into her, you know, physically. But I was going to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really drove in, or I tried to drive into her how to be aggressive, and I would go out there and I would tell her to take the ball from me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd kind of push her around, be a little more physical that you can with a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't yeah. slapping her or shoving her to the ground or anything, but she really took it to heart in not a good way. It wasn't a good, a good way to to put that message into her. So, you know, she would get upset, she would cry. And till this day, I still regret doing that. But at that point, you know, going back to one of our episodes, just asking for help or whatever, I was a single dad. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody to bounce these ideas off of, but I do know now, and that, that wasn't the correct way to do it. A lot of mistakes though are gonna be made, because yeah. let's be honest, you're just going off how you were raised. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How you were coached growing up. So it might not be the right way. Yes, you probably, I've made tons of mistakes coaching, Mm -hmm. you know, that you go back, but it's just a reflection on why the grandparents are better coaches than the kids are Mm -hmm. to their grandkids than the dad is to their son because they've already seen it, been there, done that. Yeah. And that's why they, you know, you always, like when we had our team, we had a grandparent that coached with us. Okay. And so he was involved in it and he gave us the mellow version because when we've talked about before about not afraid to ask for help when I coached, I knew enough to be getting myself in trouble, mm-hmm. but I surrounded myself with an all American from Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. You know, I got guys that definitely knew their area more than me. Yeah. Yeah. And so all high intensity and we go get help. So we had a grandparent that helped us coach them, which had the mellow version of it. So he gave us a whole nother aspect that, Hey, been here, done this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Don't make this mistake because you're going down the road that you could be pushing that kid away, or you're not you're not tapping into everything yeah. that you could get. That's a great point. I go back to even Cody's example there. It's hard to at that age to teach kids, hey, don't take this ball, or or take this ball, right? Mm-hmm. Because naturally they think, well, I'm supposed to be nice, I'm supposed to be compassionate, I'm I'm not supposed to take that ball. And, and even my boys struggled with that. They didn't have kind of that animal instinct yet because they're like, wait, wait, are you tricking me? Or am, am I going to get in trouble for taking this ball from this kid? Yeah. And so that's, that's a hard, like that's a, 
that's like one of those dichotomy situations where it's like, you know, on the field, you know, and Jordan Peterson talks about this on the field, be a monster, you right, know, right. be an absolute monster, but learn to control it, mm-hmm. you know, always go for that win, which, you know, you can learn lessons through that, but be a monster, but control it. And so kids at that age are so hard. Now, Richard, when you were coaching baseball and your majors were in nine, we nine started years? nine going into 10. Yeah. Okay. So did you run into any situations like that? And, and your, your kid played as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you transition from home to the field with your boy? They drove in a different car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is that serious? Because you, I mean, you, because it was hard at that time when you're competitive and high strung yeah, yeah. that you want to keep talking. Okay. And then when the game's over, they didn't ride home with me. Uh, you know, they never uh, wanted to come. Uh, they would come to the game, but they wouldn't go home with me. Or, you know, we'd yeah. make sure when you coach your kid, we made sure we didn't coach them. We had another coach take care of our kid as if, you know, they would treat so that you can't. Because yeah. you, how is it? You're always twice as hard on yours For as sure. you would be anybody else. For so, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, That's one of our topics, too, on the favoritism from the coach's side. And, and we'll jump on that once we, um, once we get to topic two. But it's so true. It's so true. My son does not, and we're not playing the major side of it, but we're playing the rec side and, you know, but we want to win. You know, I played some baseball, like I want to win and we practice to get to this certain point. And so he's the same way. He doesn't ride home with me. He rides home with mom. And I always give him a hard time. Like I don't take offense to it, but I always give him a hard time. It's like, okay, well, you had a good game. Why are you not riding home with me, man? Like that's, like, and we don't, know, we don't think about, about that no. uh, at, in the moment, but you know, they don't want to hear criticism right right after a game. Yeah. You know, they gave what they feel is their best effort. And to hear all the, the little points and, and things that we want to embody in them while we re- recall them at the time. Yeah. That they just, they don't want to, they want to enjoy the moment. They want to go home. They want to laugh with their buddies. Right. Or right. just relish on what, what, what the game did bring. So, Richard, did you ever experience the helicopter parenting and the helicopter parenting, which more is like a kind of a new within the last five years phraseology, but, or a term, um, helicopter parenting is when the parents are helping them do everything, grab their equipment, you know, bringing them all this extra stuff, interrupting the flow of sportsmanship Uh, and, and hovering over them. So they call it helicoptering as if you're hovering over. Did you, ever experience that side of it because that's one thing that we can touch on on parents is how do you be more effective well you don't helicopter you trust the people that you put in place so have you experienced that well we kind of we kind of knock it out early when we have our parent meetings during a game don't come to the dugout yeah they weren't allowed to that's good yeah i mean that's just keep them away you trust us for this game time for this practice time they're ours yeah not yours now so right. we always try to do that to them and if we keep them to, hey, you go get your bat bag, you're responsible for your helmet, you're responsible. We didn't have a mom in the dugout mm-hmm. making sure they had all their stuff, you know, in their perfect little bag. They were responsible, hey, do this. But like I said, it helped having a guy that had played in professional baseball. Sure. They're at nine, already understanding when they have a glove and they're not on the field. They have their glove and hat in their glove mm-hmm. waiting and they knew to grab for their partner, whoever's out there with them in their position. So it's just little things we taught them at nine yeah. and ten that your jobs, we don't just sit in here and, as I say, drink the Kool-Aid and yeah. eat the popsicles. We got 
work to do. Yeah. And so parents did a pretty good job staying away. Yeah. So when you're dealing with the helicopter parents, you know, you're setting expectations before the season, before the first practice. Okay. Oh yeah. They have it all written down, handed to them. Here's what we're expecting. Do we expect you to abide by this all the times? No. Yeah. We know there's going to be this situation or this situation. Injuries. Yes. Yeah. They think their kid's more injured than we tell them to rub dirt on it. Like I said, old yeah, school, yeah. right? But yeah. So wrong with that. we get all that and we understand the nurturing of parents and maybe their kid's not used to this, especially younger. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any problems when they got to 11, 12, 13, 14, all the way up through 18. Yeah. We didn't have that kind of problem. Yeah, they were Matter of fact, they just dropped them off with the kids drove. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it wasn't to that. But our parents that I coached did a great job of understanding and as I tell them, leave us alone. And they saw the results of it because some of us still think of And then there's some, we just like, you know what? I don't know if I'm the guy for your kid. Yeah. Because even though they're good, I just didn't want, you could, I could feel things. And yeah. that's where coming an umpire and you can feel situations of coming up. And yeah. that was one of them, yeah. you know. What would you say your attention was from the first year to the last year? Because you had the same team mm-hmm. throughout the, the entirety. I mean, how many players did you have in the beginning to the end? The ones that played for me from nine that played all me through 18, mm-hmm. I had seven. That stayed with you the yeah. whole time. That's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. a, yeah, that's almost You just don't team. hear of it. You don't hear of that very often, yeah. but I was very, very fortunate. From Jake Northern from Quita, great kid, great family, knew his older brothers. I know Jake. Yeah, so I had the little brother play for me, to Cade Cavanis, who played for Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. Braden Daniel played at Kentucky, played for OU. Yeah. Alex Pointer played up in Kansas. Hunter Spates from Shreveport played down at uh, Louisiana. So seven of the nine, or even we, we more, 11. seven of eleven stayed with you for the entirety of that. For process. most of the time, they would leave maybe when they were eleven or twelve, but they always came back. I would say even at, from a parenting perspective, that's a trust built oh, yeah. in in that process. Like they trust what you're doing for them as a development on the field, but that doesn't come without develop, developing them off the field. Because that's a part of it, too. Sure. Are you available? Are you responsive? Do you provide the right type of coaching, just not the skills and technical aspects, but are you providing the life skills in coaching? Yeah, we try to give them all that. I mean, we pounded in their head way before they even got to high school. If you're not doing your part in school, you'll never get to showcase your talent in high school. Yeah. Ever. So why would you go through half effort in the classroom when we don't let you do half effort on the field. Sure. That's wow. great. That's a yep. great point. Yeah. What about you, Cody? Have you have you experienced, seen, or been a helicopter parent? Never, no. And my coaching experience is limited to a very young age, and it was soccer. Yeah. But I actually had a great group of parents, and Andy Little mm-hmm. was an assistant coach with me, a co-coach, or co-coach with yeah. me. Uh, he did a great job of keeping up morale with the kids uh, he was really great at talking to them getting on their level mm-hmm. coming up with fun activities during practice for that age group to keep them motivated to coming back and wanting to experience and learn more about the sport but as far as helicopter parents they really just brought their kids shuffled them out to the practice field yeah. or or the game field got in their chairs and just enjoyed and watched that's great because that's the way to do it. I mean, it really is because you're you're entrusting this individual, whether it's recreational, volunteer, or all the way up to the majors, really and truly into college, you don't have a choice, but high school as well. 
you know, if you're playing on any of the club balls, tournament ball, anything like that, the expectation is I'm entrusting my son, my daughter to you to develop them. Now, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not involved, right? But I'm not helicoptering. I'm not impeding your process. I'm not an impediment to any type of skills, growth, life, or on the field. And a lot of parents don't understand that. No. They know what's best all the time, whether they played that sport or they didn't play the sport, which a lot of times the most vocal never even picked up a bat or kicked a soccer ball. That's the dangerous part of that. That's the dangerous part. The whole area. Yeah. But you could tell, I could tell who, what parents went home and worked with their child on that craft yeah. too. Yeah. They came back, uh, better skills, sharpened skills, the ability to learn and progress. Wow. So. That's interesting you say that. And, and Richard, I'm sure you can attest to this as well. Seeing the kids that are growing, mostly grow at home. So as a parent, if you're trying to, you know, be a distraction or add value adds or whatever you believe are value adds opinions into the practice or the game, you're missing the mark. Where you should start adding additional influence and additional advice is, like Cody said, at home. That's it's. it's the main, especially in young youth sports, that's that's the best product for the for the child. Yeah, is watching practices. If you're not fam- familiar with the sport, pick up on things you could do at home. Because I guarantee you, these coaches are going over homework skills mm-hmm. with these with these youth kids, uh, giving them things to do at home. And if you're not implementing that as a parent, if you're not going to the practices and watching this. You can't expect that six or seven year old child to be like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. They may, some of them may just forget it and go play video games and not even worry about it. And if you're not there to watch and to understand what needs to be done at home and implement it, then it's it's done. Very true. Did you ever have homework that you would assign to the parents and the kids? Certain levels, you want them to be able to do something before they go to the next age. Right. Like we want to be able to do this, little things. You know, how to field a ground ball. By the time we're done, as Mike Daniel, who was one of my guys that was put in the Hall of Fame at Oklahoma State and Connors, that helped me develop all my kids all the way through, he was a lot bigger reason than me. Mm -hmm. I was just the sponge that would keep the parents from him. Does that make sense? I mean, so he could do his, what he was good at. I mean, and so when you're doing all that, uh, he would have little things to do in the batter's box. So where's your home? You don't have a cage, right? Okay, well, use these balls. Yeah. Wiffle balls, use this, have your dad do this. So he would give them little bitty things when we were young. Mm-hmm. But then they started getting older. And one thing that if you're a coach or you're a parent, do not underestimate what these kids can absorb. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate them. They're smart. Oh, I don't know if they can do that. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Don't ever short case them because that's what we noticed when we were coach. Hey, are we sure we're ready to roll a pair? I mean, you think they know how to touch second, throw it first, get away from the kid sliding, how to receive the ball. Yeah. We were learning that at nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that parents don't, when you're doing something at home, don't underestimate them. Because a lot of times it's just repetition. That's it. They're not familiar. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we talk about a lot on our team. And we, we, have, we don't have major level kids. We have some kids that could – possibly be but collectively you have to coach on an on a spectrum right everybody's being coached differently but at the same time the expectation is to get them all to a certain point right and set goals so let's let's kind of shift from that that's great points and I I love having you here to explain that side of it as well let's talk about 
put your umpire hat on for us. Sure. And what do you see as an umpire at the many levels that you've been from parents that needs to stop? Not every play is the last play ever. They live on every play, every out, every batter. Everything is if it's the last and that's it. Yeah. And then if they don't like something, whether I'm not going to say it's always umpiring. They don't like a co- their coach what they did or something and stuff gets mm-hmm. verbalized or another team. I mean, more stuff happens in the stands or with the coaches. These kids have no idea. The disrespect of some parents at the ball game and verbalizing that to an umpire, to a coach, to a player mm-hmm. is unreal. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen videos, TikToks. Go oh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Of parents just, you know, out loud, just calling someone an idiot yeah. or calling them names or calling them stupid. These kids are watching. You know, is that how you want them to go out into the world on their own and reflect that same attitude if something doesn't go their way or if they don't view something as you know, acceptable to them just to just start calling people names. And I don't know. It's just, it's got to a point. The older they get, they see how you act as a parent and they seem to think that that's okay. Yeah. And so I run across it from that. Then you run across all of a sudden kids now that are ninth, 10th graders turn around and question stuff. And then you're like, who are you? What are you? Don't turn back here and look at me. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they see all that and they think it's okay. So then you start to see it. I see it now, even at the high school level where I reached out to plenty, plenty of my friends that coached. We've talked before we got on air about mm-hmm. Sandlot. Those guys, I've umpired them guys. Mm-hmm. And those guys know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to pound and they don't like seeing what they're seeing in sports all across, not just here, but all across the United States. In a way, I think instant replay and calls that have been overturned based on arguments have maybe enabled a little bit of our society to think, Oh, I can, I can, he called an outside pitch a strike. I'm going to draw a line where that pitch actually was, which in reality is very disrespectful. And you think you're going to get an overturned call just because he threw you, you know, well, called you out on that or called a strike on that. It's not going to happen. I had a situation where the parents were, the umpire wasn't doing a great job and he was probably getting $20 a game, you know? So he's, he's just out there making some extra money. He's grinding. Mm-hmm. And he was calling everybody out high pitches, outside pitches, low pitches, one in the dirt. And so I was trying to teach the kids, just move on, on to the next, on to the next pitch, on to the next play, right? But the parents were coming at me saying, why are you not jumping down his throat? Why are you not arguing this situation? And I had to stop at one point and I made sure they were all looking at me and I said, what do you expect to be done? And, you know, they're expecting him to, oh, go, okay, you can take another strike or, okay, he's, he's actually not out. The call's been made. It's moved on. The game is moving on. So so it's a better opportunity to treat the kids and teach the kids that we respect the calls of the officials. Now we move on and we control the controllables kind of thing. So so as a parent or or parent-coach role in that situation, you know, the kid's probably young, like you said. Yeah. Umpires don't start off experts. You know, you got to go have these experiences game after game after game to get better at your craft. So 
teach the kids the right way, just like, like you did, you can still go to the umpire between innings say, Hey man, I think, I think some of these calls could go a little bit differently. You can go to bat for the children at that point in a respectful manner, but for the parents to, to come to you and be like, why aren't you yelling at him? Why aren't you, you know, going to bat for our kids in the moment? You know, that's not the right place. Not the right place. And that's the thing, you know, here at the applicable dad community, we've talked about it over and over and over again. You know, we want to be relevant. We want to be appropriate. Well, as parents, you should be appropriate in the way you handle coaches. You should be appropriate in the way you handle umpires, respect your authority. You know, we've been raised on a, we're eighties babies, you know, and you were in an era where it's respect your elders and the people in authority over your life. And so in a game, why would you not apply that same type of focus and be that example and lead by example with your kids. Always watching and absorbing to Richard's point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cause they pick up on it and it's a, sometimes it's a sad reverberation of a really negative thought process. Mm-hmm. So, so what else from your perspective on the umpire side of it, would you say, you know, stop, stop complaining and pretending like everything is a, the end of the game because you've got a call that went against your team what, what other experiences have you had? Well, I mean, <clears throat> like we've talked about before, the younger the age group, the younger the coaches. Mm-hmm. Some of them bring that intensity in as if they were still playing. So you've got to help help them help themselves without helping them. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because you don't go tell them because then, then you put them on the defense. and yeah, yeah. You just kind of work it in. I'm one of you guys that can work it in with a little bit of humor. Remind them I umpired them and their kids already better than them now at seven than they were at 17. Maybe lighten up a little bit. I don't know. I mean, you see it. It's just the way the world has changed. If you're getting these kids, and we talked before about how do you get involved with the kid when they're young, mm-hmm. just watch ball, ball games with them, right? Yeah. Take them to the baseball game, right? Take them to a soccer game. Take them to uh, a basketball game. And when you go do all that kind of stuff, then you see yelling at the officials, yelling at an umpire, someone getting thrown out. And then it, goes all the way back to winter coach. So it's how society has turned everything into umpires are wrong and bad. We're always right. And I understand that part. I know what I signed up for. The best thing that'll be able to happen to us is what I told people all the time is I wish they would bring in the computer automated strike zone. You Hmm. know how you see it on the TV? Mm -hmm. Let it beep in my ear. I'll call a ball and strike that way. They would really come unglued. Because wow. then what do they argue? If you took that little part out of a game, what do you do? So how would that prolong the game as far as getting the information immediately to the umpire? Well, they have a computer system they've done, and I think it's double A up in northeastern uh, United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've started where it goes off in their ear if it's a strike. And they're yelling strike. Because you still got to have a home plate umpire to still signal stuff, still outs and saves, right? Yeah. Ball goes off his feet. Ball hits him. You still have to have them there. Yeah. But now what you take is what are 90% of the ejections on? Balls and strike. Take that out of the way. I promise you, you talk about changing a game. Yeah. I'd let them call balls and strikes. I don't care. I'd let the computer tell me, okay, because that would help me out, right? Sure. And then if it's perfect, but they would – how many times have you watched a Major League Baseball game and seen, oh, that was a strike, he called it a ball, or that was a ball and he called it a strike? Those batters would come unglued if yeah. they saw some of the strikes that are not called that they think are balls and – or, you know, they think yeah. are balls and – it's called a ball, but it, in relation to strike. So you take a lot of it out and you would condense arguing. We get, we get a lot of parents 
chirping from behind the all the time and and it's based on something they don't even have a very good viewpoint of how do you know if that was a ball or a strike and yeah, you're going to be vocal they're over here at a 45 yeah, degree yeah, angle yeah <laughs> yeah and there's been some where i see it come off the mound i'm off to the side by the dugout i see it come off i see like the trajectory of it but that doesn't always mean that it's not inside outside yeah you know i can see if it came within a strike zone from a a, a vertical perspective but not inside outside and some parents will throw fits about that that's where we need to stop mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and this is not a reprimand this this show is not intended to be that but we have to understand that we trust the individuals that are using your free time you know some of which is on a volunteer basis some of which obviously you're getting some compensation for but your experience the, I guarantee the majority of parents behind the dugout, behind the, the fence, have had zero experience with, one, playing the game, or, two, actually officiating the game. Because two are wildly opposite. The two are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Th- that's really great ex- experience. And I, I'm, I'm glad that we brought you on for this, Richard. So you're already providing a lot of value props for us, man. So thank you. Could you pass that on to my wife? I will <laughs> pass that <laughs> on. I will pass that on. So... So one thing that I do want to add, and I, I brought up even from my own in personal ex- experience, but my perspective as well, is, is my approach to my own kids is when I'm helping to develop them as athletes, and feel free to chime in on this when you, when you guys want, but is to make sure that they're accountable, make sure that they're full of integrity, you know, whether, whatever they're dealing with, whatever game, they have integrity, personal, starts there, and then it penetrates and permeates throughout uh, loyalty. Are you loyal to the game that you've committed to? Mm-hmm. Trust. Can we trust you to be responsible for your own equipment, for your own time, for your own efforts, um, but also to your team? Are you committing to this? Can we trust that you're going to see it through? But at the same time, are you going to showcase leadership? And the leadership starts within the home. And a lot of times it's based on what you you have taught them and now you've committed to me, I want to go play this sport. So how do we hold them accountable to make sure that they're doing that, that same leadership and exuding that same leadership outside of the, the door, walls of this home? Mm-hmm. So what would you say your, your focus is for kids? You can jump on those or add your own. Are we just going over a parent's points and roles as far as building their... Yeah, building the athlete. How, how, what are you as, you as a parent of athletes, what is your focus for those kids or what advice would you give uh just to like you said learning how to be motivated as a as a kid to to learn the game mm-hmm. in every aspect um like you said leadership accountability and being intentional you know they need to be surrounded with whatever they're doing mm-hmm. So if they're playing baseball, like Richard said, take them to the games, mm-hmm. let them see the professionals carry themselves. And that's, you know, that's key for these professionals too, to, to be a persona of somebody that somebody young wants to be, you know, as they see them be intentional, go to games, work with them at home with the sport. Don't just go to practices and come home and do your own thing. It has to be implemented at all times if if they enjoy it for sure it needs to be a part of their life home and away that's good great great points what about you richard what would you advise two things a guy taught me years ago and he came up with it we even put it on t-shirts 
two things that we taught our baseball kids, football kids, basketball kids was to control. There's only two things that that athlete could control. Mm -hmm. Only two. And that's what was amazing when he shrinked down all that stuff into two things. Okay. So attitude, what's your attitude on the field? What's your attitude at home? What's your attitude at practice? What's your attitude with the other players? What, what's your attitude against the team you're going against? What's your attitude like? Yeah. Okay. And how's your effort? You don't have to be a superstar to give super effort. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, for example, my son who played on the major team, probably double A, triple A, but because of his effort and Mike Daniel, like I said before, making these kids play above what they were, they were able to do it. So we always said, remember, there's two things. You can't control Johnny throwing the pass to you, but you can control how you react to it and if you catch it, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't control what somebody else is doing, so control you. And that goes on to coaches too. And that's what I do as an umpire. I try to control my attitude because I got to be the cooler one, right? Yeah. That's what you got to be. You're the coach. You got to be the cooler one. Your parent, you got to be the cool head. You don't want to be. There's plenty of times you don't want to be, but you have to be for that child, right? And then effort is everything. Effort goes to everything you're talking about. Bring your own stuff. Make sure you're there for practice. Even if you're hurt, you're still showing up. Yeah. You're not coming up with excuses not to be there. You're finding a reason to be there. And so when you're doing all that kind of stuff, when you're naming attitude and effort and you do it like that, and you sink it all down to two words. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Yeah. How's your what's your attitude like? How's your effort? That mean so that right there summed it all up for us. And that's what where all that stuff you were talking about, those five to seven leadership yeah. can go in those two words because attitude's leadership, right? Yeah, absolutely. Effort putting toward leadership, right? I mean, so well, you're all, leading by example. Exactly. So yeah. that was the two things that we stuck by. We even put them on shirts. That's amazing. And you know, there's two things you can control. We bring it every day. Control your attitude. Control your effort. It's a great way to articulate that. 100% yeah. attitude and effort. And that's the sad thing, too, is you've seen a lot of kids, and you've probably seen you've probably seen them. I know I've seen them where it's, their athleticism is through the roof. They have nothing but potential, but their attitude's horrible. Oh, my God. And their effort is minimal because they're, they're resting on the laurels of what God has blessed them with mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to get better. And they're like, why do I need to practice? You know, I'm hitting three, 300 plus. You know, right. why would I need to get better? So and that 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 comes with the parents at home. Yeah. Harness that and send it in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, how bad would you feel if your kid was just extremely athletic but you didn't help to harness that effort and attitude and grow on that and they never reached their potential? It's pretty sad. Dude, I, mean, I would honestly. be crushed as a dad. Well, mm-hmm. my God, a buddy of mine would say, you know, all the time when he saw much if oh, you don't want to go hit extra today or you don't want to go to the soccer field and work on your dribbling or you don't want to go shoot baskets or you don't want to go throw and catch passes, whatever. Okay. Well, you better hope all your competition took the day off Mm -hmm. because if they didn't take the day off, you're a day behind. I don't care where you're at, but you better hope they took off. You want me to make phone calls for you to make sure they're not doing it too, son. Yeah. And then they would, okay, grab my bat, whatever, you know, that's fantastic. The parents role is crucial in what we're doing to raise this generation's athlete and the responsibility on us is of the utmost importance. And so what our challenge to you as parents, as people within this applicable dad community is to be more intentional in that role, help develop. And that we, we touched on it briefly, but the last point of the parent role, uh, living vicariously through your child, try to keep that in mind. When you're when you're pushing boundaries, when you're, who are you doing it for? What, in the moment of you're teaching your child or playing with your child or, 
you know, helping them learn new things in their sport. Is it the right way? Right. You know, who, who am I doing this for? Is it for him or is it for me? And don't also forget that as a parent, which I saw as a coach, especially for some kids, depending on, like I said, where they're at mentally, is dropping them off, having the coach be the babysitter is not the answer. They want you involved. Mm-hmm. How many times you see at practice, I could walk at football practice and watch walk a sideline and just look at people while the kid's practicing. You think they're watching? No. Phone, man. Mm. So, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So my point is, it's if you have seven kids, I understand. Yeah. I mean, I get all that. You can only be certain places. But right. every effort that you can, be there. Don't just drop them off where that's what you're known for is like you talk about the helicopter parent. We also nickname yeah. some as well. We're the babysitter, you know? And so, but we as coaches take that responsibility on because sometimes on the male figure side, we might unfortunately be the only mm-hmm. male 100% that you get. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's no one's fault. I mean, that, that's just what life has dealt people. Yeah. So I don't judge them for that. Yeah. I just try to help out. So that's amazing. That's great. So that's the parent's role that we're talking about. And we've been bouncing back and forth, like we talked about of the coach's role as well, just based on our own personal experiences. So we want to kind of shift over to the coach's role. So as a coach, primarily it's, it's a time, it's a volunteer. You know, there are coaches nowadays within clubs that are getting paid for their, their time. Uh, travel ball is a big, big deal around here. You know, pay, pay, this coach for all of this time to get this X amount of exposure to get them to the next level. And so we want to shift gears over to the coach's side of it. And I found some very, very interesting statistics and Cody's usually the stat man, but he probably wouldn't understand the hieroglyphics on what's going on here. So we want to touch on this. And, and one of the biggest key points that I took away from, and this is based on NCAA.org is less than 3.3% of kids are recruited for D1 in Oklahoma. It's a big number. 3.3%. All right. So let's break that down even further. So if if you want your kid and you think that, oh, I'm going to pay all this extra money to get my kids far, further exposure, they're going to get into Division One or even in the NCAA altogether. Baseball, 483,000 as of 2020 kids that played baseball in, in the area. And um, or actually, this is all across the U.S. Sorry, only thirty-six thousand of them went to that next level. NAIA, Division One, Division Two, JUCO. All right, basketball, five hundred forty thousand. Of that five hundred forty thousand, only nineteen thousand went to the next level. Football, one million. Of those one million, seventy-three thousand went to the next level. Soccer, four hundred sixty-three or sixty thousand. Only twenty-five thousand of those went to the next level. Wrestling, 248,000. Only 7,000 of those went to the next level. As scholarship or just just to the next level period? Just to play in the sports. Well, most of them, I mean, you're going to get a partial scholarship if you're representing the school or a walk-on or anything like that. Preferred walk-on. Preferred walk-on, yeah. So let's let's go even deeper into this. Of that percentage, and I only went down to the main three, baseball, basketball, football, that went professional – outside of NCAA 8,000 were eligible in 2020 for baseball only 791 of the 8,000 went to the major leagues farm clubs double a triple a big dogs mm-hmm. only 791 basketball 4,100 were eligible only 52 of those went to the NBA and then football which is a 
big sport. You know, obviously you know that. Um, 16,300 were eligible. Only 254 actually went to the NFL. And the reason I bring up those stats is you could have all the experience in the world. You could have paid all the high-end coaches, all the best-name coaches, and that's a small percentage of people that actually make it. So the focus as coaches in rolling into this open dialogue and conversation should not be only how are we developing them on the field, mm-hmm. but how are we developing them as men and women that will be contributing members to our society. 3.3% in Oklahoma, not a big percentage, but that leaves 96.7% that we can we can control and we can do better on the positive. That need to find a different career path. Exactly right. Whether that's that's college or you know degrees advanced degrees how are you going to be a good member of society trade you know and and a lot of kids i've seen it over and over again they put all their eggs in that sports basket and they didn't have they didn't spend any time on academics you know they got through with just the bare minimum and then they're now working you know, for ABC supply. Sorry, Cody. All state over here. Uh, so that's kind of what we want to talk about on topic two is the coach's role. And I'm going to open it up. So Cody, what would you say the key roles of a coach are in today's world? So in my experience, we're volunteering our time in youth mm-hmm. as, as dads, it's, it's typically a dad or mom that's going to volunteer to to coach a team a lot of times out of necessity because nobody else will so they're kind of forced into this role and keep in mind it's it's mainly volunteering so when we talked about the parents who are helicopter parents or who want to put in their opinions on how to coach or what should be done in practice or what should be done in a game or where my son should be playing on the field you should have signed up. You should have signed up to coach. If that's going to be you, you should have stepped up. So keep in mind, volunteering is, they're volunteering their time, not only at the field, at practice, Mm -hmm. but I I recall at home going over, you know, game plans, when to, when to sub kids in, when to sub kids out, uh, what to do at practice, uh, coming up with skill workouts to, implement and practice and to help, you know, gain their skills. So it's a lot of time just outside of the normal practice times or the game times on the weekends. So, I mean, as a coach, you want to give everyone equal opportunity, all the kids, regardless of skill level, because they're at a point, especially in the youth stages, which is where I was to develop into a better athlete, uh, give them the tools to reach those goals that they're trying to get to. And, you know, some of those kids don't have parent at home that's going to keep going over these skills. Mm -hmm. So that's all the time they get is with you as the coach. So that's a lot of responsibility for, for a dad or a mom to, to put into somebody the drive and the motivation to, especially, you know, six, seven years old, Mm -hmm. Uh, to, to work on these things at home. So um, just, just finding ways to connect, to be on that child's level, no matter what age they are, because they're going to develop, they're going to be, as they grow older, 11, 12 years old, like you said, you have to push them. You have to know when to push them. And sometimes that boundary is a gray area, but it's, it's a lot for a coach. 
uh, outside of the practices, outside of the game. So have everything down that you need and, and then an outline to implement throughout the year. That's good. What about you, Richard? Uh, don't feel afraid to set your ego aside. Ask for help. Know what your strengths are and maybe able to use that, but what your weaknesses are, don't be afraid to find somebody else that's a lot better at you, a lot better at that skill. Like, for instance, we had a pitching coach we hired. We were 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. He was the pitching coach now for Jinx High School. But we knew I needed someone that could get them to understand it, and then I learned the few vocabulary words that need to go with it to re-trigger what he had been teaching them all week. So uh, don't feel like you have to be the know-it-all. You're, yeah. You know, uh, I ask for help all the time because you're only as good as the people around you. You're only as right. You're only as strong as your weakest link. So I wanted to make sure everything was covered because if you're truly in it for the kids, then you're trying to give them every opportunity in every aspect, whether it be in the classroom, you go get them a tutor. I mean, if you want to be a better uh, soccer player, you hire a soccer, uh, you know, a soccer, private soccer coach that you see all the time or, or whatever you go get a trainer, whatever. Mm. So if you're trying to get them through there, you try to give them the opportunity, every opportunity, but don't forget about the guy that maybe doesn't have that opportunity or that kind of money or that don't forget about him. So find ways to get that person along too, because you know how they do what an education, nobody left unturned or nobody left behind. Well, it's the same way when you're coaching too. Mm. There might be, as you've talked about it, even at A, double A, triple A major, there's still one thing in common. They keep score. So it's still competitive. So you don't want to take the aggressiveness away from them, Mm -hmm. but have someone that can touch maybe even that ninth kid, that 10th kid, 11th kid, find a way to make that kid also just as important because as you guys were talking about, when you go to a team, you're in sales, you're in sales. If your inside salesman doesn't do his job very well, are you very good as an outside salesman? No. So yeah. you get them. So that's where it goes from sports to, as you were saying, the other ninety six point seven. That's where team sports. And all, I'm not going to just harp on team sports. That's really all I know a little bit sure. of. But it also helps them develop into other areas, depending on other people. That was a great thing about Jimmy Johnson. You know, he knew he had to have great assistance mm-hmm. to be a good head coach. Jimmy that's a great Johnson. point. Asking for help. You know, some some parents don't even think, who do I have around me? It doesn't have to be someone you know it could be another parent on the team that yeah. you know just kind of sits over on the sideline and lets you do his thing be like hey man what do you know what what can you i need help you know i need help setting up cones i need help shuffling the kids over here to this area during certain drills i need help bringing orange pe- or orange slices to the game you know yeah. whatever yeah, yeah ask for help that's great i always made it a point with the dads because you'll always have dads that are more on the front lines more involved standing there with the arms crossed yeah watching the whole time you can tell you can pick them all out <laughs> um so i usually ask hey i'm gonna need some help it takes a village right you've heard that over and over again but it really does in in a lot of areas of life and primarily i would say in sports as well so i always see those guys you can call them out you can point them out and i say i'm gonna need some help and then i'll ask them very directly do you have any experience with this? Did you ever play? If so, what did you play? Were you any good? What type of hitter were you? You know, what type of pitcher were you? Um, get an understanding of what their skill set is, because my skill set only goes a certain level. And then if I can bridge a gap of growth and development for any particular kid with their skill set, you're only better off for it. But you do see a lot of coaches, recreational and competitive even that are it's my way or the highway 
and you'll do everything I tell you to do or get out. And that's the struggle is not everybody, not everybody had upper level experience. And even if they did, that doesn't mean they're the best coach. They might be able to play the game, but that does not mean that they can translate that into the minds of a child. And so that's what I, I always try to make it a point of, like you said, ask for help, showcasing leadership, but it's, it's how do I, or the skill set. I'm, I'm sorry, bridging that skill set gap and making sure that it is a collective effort for the best, best experience for these kids in development. So, um, that, that would be my only touch on this. I do want to touch on the college side of it. Obviously the goal is to try to get your kid a scholarship. No, no parent willingly wants to pay for college without some type of support. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is that, would you say that's a pretty big goal for most parents? Uh, I think so. Uh, as long as the drive in the athlete, the, the child is there, you know, athletic ability, like you said, only goes so far. Motivation and drive has to be there to, to want to be at that level, to, yeah. to have the work ethic, uh, not only in the sport, but in the classroom to achieve that goal. And I mean, that's where we're at with, with our son, Jace. He's, he's going to be a freshman this year. And we've already started the process with, it's actually um, NCSA, which is Next College Student Athlete. Now they are they are for-profit yeah. organization, but what they're going to do is set up a profile for Jace and, you know, uh, a list of what he's done, he's accomplished, what sports he's in, what positions, you know, set up a whole profile for him. And this is going to be available to all college coaches to review to go over as they're looking for potential college athletes down the road you know as a freshman now so he has four years and we're gonna we're gonna start this process you know it's it's about creating we're gonna create highlight reels for him which a lot of people know to do this already especially those high profile athletes at this stage you know freshman sophomore junior uh if you haven't started it as a freshman you're behind you're behind yep Wow. A lot of people will start even younger now, eighth, seventh, sixth grade. It's crazy. <laughs> so Richard agrees with that point. What did you do to get your um, six and seven kids to the next level? Uh, introduced them to Mike Daniel, who okay. was my guy, that, and he had a lot of connections. But we also put a profile, as you were talking about, we did a profile sheet we handed to all the coaches that would be up in the stand. We had two parents that would rec notice coaches, and we knew a bunch – over time, Mike knew a bunch of them, and we gave them their ACT scores. They had just their own sheet, what they do, what they like to do, where they go to school, when they're going to graduate. We had a lot of them take the NCAA test to make sure that they were eligible. You know, so you had to have you done this, I uh, forgot if it's a certificate or whatever, that to make sure they were eligible, did you already do that? One of them was not the player house, but something like that. Where along, hey, did you do all this? Mm -hmm. And we got had all the information for them if they did ACT or uh, SAT scores. GPA classes, you know, just stuff along the line and had all that stuff to give the coaches so they could have a, a little background already getting started on that kid. And we started handing that stuff out when we started playing college showcases at 15, 16, 17, 18. So at 15, 16, we really instituted it. So 15, 16, it was instituted as a freshman going through the high school process, already putting stuff together for him. So we had, to, we did some research on what colleges really recruiters really look for and you guys have kind of touched on a lot of that already, but academics, you mentioned the ACT, um, SATs. Are you 
are you intentional with your academics? Is that, are you just breezing through or are you actually to get to the football field, the baseball field or the field of any other kind, or are you really intentionally trying to grow in your own academic academia? Um, so academics was one. And real quick, just on the academics real fast. Yeah. The reason why that's important to them besides that you're able to go is because scholarships, how would you like to be able to go play at OU knowing and they would like to have you, but they don't have to spend as much money on an athletic scholarship because your academics, you're in the upper 5% of your class, 4.1 grade point average, 31 on your ACT, and you're going to qualify for this other money that helps their program, sure. but also helps you. Yeah. So that's where the academics even comes in more that's is a, on the money part of it. That's a great point. That's going to make well you as, much more eye-popping to them. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, and it goes into eligibility, yes, too. Yes, sir. So are you going to be eligible enough? Are you going to do the work that's necessary in the classroom so you can be eligible on the field? So so academics, and I appreciate that value add on there, and feel free to chime in, either one of you. Um, athletics, obviously, you know, are you athletic enough? Um, what is your athleticism? You have to understand the game, like Cody had brought up. Um, you have to have the athletic athletic ability to be able to play that game and to stand out above your peers. So colleges are looking for academics, athletics, attitude, mm-hmm. which we should also throw effort in based on sure. Richard's point. Attitude and character. What type of person are you? If you think these recruiters aren't going to be calling coaches. Oh, they do. Schools. Yeah. To, to test and see how you were with your attitude and your approach to your game, to school. Cody, you mentioned earlier when we were off the air changing the camera around is social media is the biggest thing out there. Yeah, and yeah. if you act up on social media, I've seen guys and you can look at the bottom of ESPN when you're going down there and every now and then they'll come across where – you know, you'll see a guy lost his scholarship or not with the team no more because of something he did or social media or a coach gets kicked off because of a picture comes across Instagram of him drinking or yeah. whatever. Oh, you know, yeah. just put – if you – kids are so – supposed to good, use good words. Silly. Not real smart sometimes. <laughs> we, yeah. we, talk, <laughs> we talk to Jace about that all the time, man. Is, yeah. I say, <laughs> man, know what's – where you're at right. on the social media, you know, know what you're posting, how you're posting it. Are you respectful? You know, and as he grows older and is introduced to different things, yeah. parties, mm-hmm. drinking, drugs, even at a young age, right. the kids these days are That's getting involved. I mean, I'm sure we were too at that, at our point in time. But we in didn't life. put it on social media. We guys. didn't have yeah. that. Have it. It's everywhere. <laughs> Cause I would probably be in somebody can take a, a picture of you so quick in any situation mm-hmm post it and it's there forever kids watch out be responsible with yourself and how you carry yourself in public and in the i think a lot of that goes into kids think that oh i'll just go back and delete it well the age of screenshots the internet is forever somebody's got a screenshot anything and somebody has it you know even the old snapchat which i i'm not a part of that but i've seen how it works and you can you think that it's just going to go away and whoever you're sending it to is not going to screenshot it with another phone and mm-hmm. let you know that it was screenshotted, you know? So, uh, absolutely great point on that. So colleges are looking for academics, athletics, attitude. I'm adding effort, uh, and, and character to really see if you're capable of being within that 3.3% and going to that next level. So this has been a really great conversation. I, I love that we were able to bring our, our first guest on, Richard. We really appreciate the value adds and your insight and Thanks experience. For 
So we didn't talk about the sponsorship, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Our sponsor for this episode is Encore Communications in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They are a premier fiber-based telecommunications provider. They do phone and internet as well as hosted managed systems for the Tulsa metro area. If you want to check out what you're doing compared to Cox, AT&T, or Windstream or Logix, give them a shout. There's an opportunity to reduce some costs. There's an opportunity to reduce some costs, gain some better services, as well as get out from under the contract obligations. They are a no contract setup, so give them a shout and uh, see what you could do. I'll throw the number up on the screen as far as the and the website, but uh, thank you so much Encore Communications for the sponsorship on a great, great topic and conversation. I hear they have an absolutely wonderful sales staff. They Top notch. They definitely do. They definitely do. So we'll throw that on there. Um, thanks again for listening to us. Thanks, Richard Stickney, for in- yes, joining us here. We really appreciate it. We might have you back on because um, there's a lot of information that we still want to talk about. Um, but we're trying to keep this uh, within an hour's time frame. But we will have you back at some point. It's been great. Great having you, you on. Yeah, thank you. Cody, any parting shots? Uh, actually, I would like Richard to reiterate his point, uh, the two attributes that kids need, attitude and effort. That's it. Two things kids can control, man, in life, no matter where they're at, working world. Us today, us is our attitude and effort. It goes to sports, to the church, to your whatever your religion is at church, to the workplace, to at home with your kids. Is We all as adults, all the way down to however old you're getting, four or five years old, is two things a person can control. Everything else is really out of your reach. I thought that was great. Yeah, Attitude and effort. I love it. Well, thanks again for listening to Applicable Dad, Parenting and Beyond, listening to the coaching and parenting athletes topic. Um, if you haven't followed us on Facebook, jump over to Facebook page, uh, like and subscribe on that one, uh, as well as uh, YouTube. We've got the YouTube. We're a little bit behind on YouTube. We got YouTube, we got TikTok. If you're interested in just seeing where we, you can go to see it all, applicabledad.com. And we're really happy to just kind of be a part of this community and talk about the things that maybe we needed some help with growing up. Let us know what you think. Feedback. Feedback. Talk to us. Feedback. Talk to us. We do have one shirt to give out. Um, we had a like and a share, and it was actually this gentleman's wife, and it is Clint brown oh <laughs> yeah i thought you were pointing at him i was like star no no, star. no. clint brown we got a shirt coming to you uh audra we appreciate the like and the share and uh supporting our community we could not be happier to have you as a part of it so thank you uh, clint we'll get you an, a message over to audra and we'll get your shirt size and we'll get you a shirt but thank you so much it's medium it's medium most likely so we're up in the air on the next episode, but we will get that to you probably midweek and kind of do a little teaser on what we're going to talk about next week. Sound awesome. good? Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks so much. 